So Jane, what plans do you have for 2010? What do you have in, in the back burner? I'm really excited because I have a show in San Jose at MACLA, which is the Movimiento de Arte y Cultura Latinoamericana. Uh, it's a really neat art space and there's a two-person show up there right now. And I have a piece called Brown Sugar. And it's a big installation that's based on my cultural heritage, being that of Colombian descent and how my lineage connects to the sugar trade. Because I have the African-Filipino um, indigena and Spanish blood in me and what they all had in common is that they all mixed in Colombia and they were all involved in the sugar trade in one way or the other so I'm a product of that and there's a big installation over there and I'm going to do an artist residency actually in a couple weeks and we're um, in that residency I'm going to be doing this big public art uh, piece that I'm going to do with the community in the park right across the street from the actual gallery and I'm going to this piece, Bloodlines. And I have a show up at the Screwball Cultural Center right now where it was the first time that I made an interactive video installation. So I have um, interviews, many interviews with artists and what their thoughts are on the future and what they would like to see in the future. So it ends up being kind of like a video game sort of thing. And then there's um, a deal that was more so shows coming up uh, in November that I'm excited about too. And that'll be at the Museum of Ontario. I just remember from the time I was a little girl, I was fascinated with making things. Whether it was making pop-up greeting cards of my own to give to friends or creating some kind of sculpture out of paper on my own and just drawing. I remember doing all those things as a little girl. I would draw cartoons and I just loved to sketch all the time. So I think from the time I was probably about four or five, that's my earliest, my earliest memory of making things. Because to me, art is about making and using creativity to make. I think my first experience of installation or my inspiration of installation was from watching my son play with his toys. And he was two and three, he would take all his little cars or little rocks if we were out on a hike or something and he would just arrange them. Sometimes I would come back and look and there's these rocks in a spiral on the ground and I'd say, wow, like he's so little, how did he think of that? And he just to have the patience to arrange something so perfectly and set it and it just, you know, without direction, just something that he wanted to do. And sometimes I would come in his room and see dinosaurs just lined up in some kind of a wavy line or, you know, whether from small to big. And so I just started to see, like, wow, that's very installation-like. And it was just so inspirational to know that um, here was this young child that was not at all aware of art in the art world, but his sense of placement and order really inspired me to then and be an installation artist and start doing the same kind of thing but on a much larger scale. So let me ask you, when did you know you were an artist? Oh wow, that's a good question. When did I know? Uh, probably in the fifth or sixth grade, I think. Um, people started asking me in class in sixth grade, will you draw this for me? Will you draw that for me? Or if we had an assignment of uh, write a story about 
whatever and draw a picture. And so the students would come up to me and say, can you draw me a picture of a ladder? And I would say, no, because I just thought everyone knew how to do that. Just, just like everyone knows how to write their name, I thought everyone knew how to draw. And so I actually started getting insulted that people would just think that they could have me do their work for them. I didn't like that. That made me really uncomfortable. And I thought, why do they, like, do I look like I'm stupid that they could just, you know, kind of treat me as their slaves and I can do all their work for them? I thought, what's that all about? And then, so I started to say, no, do your own work. I'm going to draw my drawing. You draw your drawing. Just like I write my name, you write your name. <laughs> and then when we had to turn in our work, I realized that wow, their drawings weren't the same quality as mine. Not that I was tuning my own horn, but I realized that there was a big difference with the um, ease that I drew compared to theirs. And that's when I started to see, oh, that's different. And then slowly I started to get compliments on my drawings. And then I started to think, oh, <laughs> I see that not everyone can do this very well. And it wasn't until um, I started getting those compliments that I started to think, okay, maybe, maybe I'm better at this. Not necessarily calling me, calling myself an artist. I think more people around me started to consider me that. But because I didn't have an artist role model in the family or around me, the concept still wasn't something that I really embraced. I just pretty much embraced myself being creative. And I think it wasn't until college that I realized um, that, that I was an artist. I think that's when I kind of embraced and embodied that term. When you're in school, you, know, you, have, you have an idea, and I think a lot of artists are very romantic uh, uh, about what, it's gonna, what it means to be an artist. But once you start dealing with galleries and you start dealing with you know, um, the commerce mm -hmm. aspect or you know, the business of art, you know, some some people may uh, may become jaded. Others, you know, uh, seem to do much better than others. Mm. You know, in that regard, do you think that it, it had any effect? You know, as far as how you how you perceive that process. I think as an installation artist, I'm kind of a little bit different because the whole commercial aspect is pretty much not a part of it because of the whole movement, but at the same time, I'm very aware of it. I'm even more aware of it now, I think, than before, of the need to sustain the career. And you've got to, you've got to sell um, your work. But at the same time, I think with the installation work, because it's so big, it, I, I think I'm very fortunate that I, can still honor my vision of my installation in the way that I envision it um, without so much the coming to the commercial aspect of it. So I do still very much hold that hopeless romantic vision in my installations, whereas I'm more um, true to that. And I think if... that's a really... Um, very interesting to think about it in those terms. So I started out in grad school 
having that hopeless romantic perspective on it and I think because I am a hopeless romantic I still I still am <laughs> and I can pull myself into <laughs> to thinking that I don't have to be commercial so for the for the most part I think I've stayed true to that um kind of naively but um being that naive there's kind of an innocence that my work has on um but I understand the commercial aspect of it too. I, gosh, I don't know that it's changed that much for me. I guess perhaps it should. There's, gosh, so many different ways that I approach a piece or that a piece approaches me. Sometimes I will choose a piece and sometimes a piece will choose me just by introducing itself and in that way,